0: hey what's up people welcome back to the over in 80 minutes podcast and welcome back to the second week of season one montage clips this week we've got another great four clips for you from previous episodes across the previous season it's been such a fun season i had so much i can't wait to get season two started we're just getting the guests together we're getting everything lined up and sorted making it better for you guys to enjoy it so let's get started right into this week's episode this week we start off with a clip from our, one of my favorite episodes which was with ryan mania the successful jockey grand national winner and he tells us all about that eventful day so let's get right into it and let's go we'll get started <music> obviously not the biggest day in your life in terms of the grander scheme but in terms of horse racing it's probably up there so and and we've touched you've you've done well to sort of tease little parts and now i get to ask all the questions back to back so that's quite good so we were talking about the atmosphere of crowds and how things like that what was the crowd like on grand national day like when that when you're racing up the hill for the roar what stuff like that um well certainly coming up the home
1: straight yeah the end of the grand national was I don't really remember it. It was everything was a blur. Everything I was in disbelief. I don't, you know, like a genuinely I have no recollection of it. You know like when we're talking mm-hmm. about autopilot on the motorway, that is yeah. that, that is the best way to describe it. I just cannot remember it. Um obviously I can watch the video back and and it even now when I watch it it doesn't it I don't I, I don't believe it is me. I truly don't believe it is me. Um but what you get from what from watching it is that the crowd were very quiet <laughs> because mm. because they didn't know who it was they didn't know who the horse was. <laughs> yeah, they, i suppose they were watching going who the hell's this who's just won the grand <laughs> um so they were very quiet um but one thing you notice on the big days is just the, the constant noise and um, mm. not, not necessarily the massive cheers, but it's just the constant atmosphere and the constant noise and it makes everything so much more tense you know it makes the horses tense it makes the riders tense just that it gives you that sense of like something huge is going to happen um and of course those big races that's that's what it is it's it's something huge some some somebody somewhere is going to enter the history books and 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 that's Mm kind of what it's all about and and the, the the massive crowd there is that's what
0: creates that um that tense intense atmosphere Wow, a, you took a nice, a good question. There is obviously horses. Horses are not stupid animals by any stretch of the imagination. But do they sort of realise that something big is about to happen as well? Do they? Can you feel it in the horse? Yeah, well,
1: they, you know, they're not. Horses aren't necessarily intelligent animals, mm-hmm. but they they feel everything. You know, mm-hmm. um, they feel everything that the jockey's feeling, and you know, and and they feel everything out with you know. So the the massive big days like they, they they can really push a horse the other way like if 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 you've got a horse that's excitable um they can really they can they can lose the race before they even get to the start you know if it mm-hmm. if it's a massive crowd and a massive atmosphere it can really push them over the edge it's um it, it's something that you need a very very calm calm horse for um
0: you know, the more calm they are in the preliminaries the better mm-hmm. Is that why, is that why they always tell you not to to go for the horse that is jumping around, swiping its head up and down?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the one that's throwing itself around is generally, it's (laughs) before the race has started. So yeah, it's not worth, not worth. It doesn't always happen like that, but yeah, Uh it's it's usually not worth it.
0: I was going to say, that horse is as happy as everybody else to be there. That's what I take from
1: it. No, that horse has got anxiety issues. That's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so i want to know what's the jockey's room like specifically before the national because we're talking about 2013 like and we're going on about these superstitions is there like a special embrace that everybody has do you have like i don't know if a team huddles the thing you do in the waiting room but does everybody have like a go out and be safe type thing or
1: yeah it, the atmosphere is 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 strangely strangely different um before mm-hmm. the grand national because it's it is the biggest most dangerous race there is and mm-hmm. suddenly everyone everyone's a lot nicer like everyone's nice but you know like, everyone, there's like a sense of mutual like real mutual respect between everybody um mm-hmm. and, you know and everybody's saying best of luck best of luck you know and and um and you know you're really it's it's really a race that you really are all you're sort of in it together like certainly beforehand um it's it's a strange togetherness it's, it's hard actually to explain it's something that you just you know you feel when you're when you're in there and um, certainly, it, it be, everybody becomes a bit more intense, and you know, like your quiet jockeys, suddenly they become a bit louder, and your louder lads they so become a bit quieter, and, and mm-hmm. it's um, it de- it's definitely a completely different atmosphere than than, than any other day.
0: As to say, cause that, sounds, that sounds almost like people you almost want not not want each other to win because you know you're all there to do the job and win the race and go in the history books, but it sounds. Um... It sounds like everybody is a team, as weird as that sounds in a, a forty-strong plus competitive yeah. race of individuals. But
1: no, it's hundred it's percent because every jockey in there mm-hmm. knows that it's the Grand National. Literally, anybody could win. You know, like you know, it's not it's not like going out for a not the hundred at Kelso where you're pretty sure you know what's going to win. You know, yeah. um, and it, you know the Grand National, anything can happen. So, so nobody's you know. As I say, if, everybody's just got that mutual respect, and 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 as I said before, that if we're all going out there to to try and be a part of the history books, and and it's just such a big deal. Um, yeah. That yeah, everybody's just yeah, you know, in a sense, you you are you have got that team feeling. Like you know, I, I'm I'm lucky enough to to have still played rugby at senior level, and 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 be mm-hmm. a part of a team, and I, I enjoy being part of that team, and. And that is what it's like on Grand National Day. It's, it's it's like you are. You're all patting each other on the back before you go out, and there's no other race like that. You don't do that for any other race, and mm-hmm. except that day. And and yeah, it's it's um it's really nice. But but don't get me wrong. As soon as the tapes go back, it all changes. <laughs> the blinkers
0: go on. So I didn't mean any of that. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, quite. Like, hey, like we said before, we're all competitors trying to win at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I know I know you said you don't really remember going up the, the home straight, but what was that feeling like when, obviously, when all, as we said, all the cameras suddenly turn towards you and you're, you're Scotland's prodigal son? What's that feeling like, when the winning feeling, when somebody goes, Ryan, man, you've just won the Grand National? I was I was waiting for the stewards' ding-dong to go
1: and say, oh, actually, no, you haven't won. Someone else has won. <laughs> it turns um, out he's missed a lap. He's just <laughs> run up the home straight. He <laughs> missed a fence down there somewhere. I don't know how you managed um look it it was it was amazing and just it was just madness you know like you you get people from everywhere and you get into the into the into the winning the winning enclosure and everybody's there there's no space to think to to do anything um and then you're husk you know you weigh in then you're off into the press conference and it's just like, I didn't get back into the weighing room, into the changing room for, like, an hour, you know? Like, really? Yeah, so, you know, you're out speaking to people, and, and it, you know, it, so it was a good hour before I was able to go in and just sit down and just try and, you know, take in what what the hell had just happened. Um, and so it was just, it was utter madness, um, is the best way to describe it. But, you know, that that was amazing and 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 i do remember all of that as i say i I don't remember finishing the race but i do remember the aftermath and and everything that went down and just just it just was absolute madness but it was but it was it was amazing you know it was like Mm -hmm. the the, you know i think all jockeys are adrenaline junkies and you know I, i managed to get that adrenaline rush from you know the aftermath with with everybody being buzzing around about you like literally Mm -hmm. everyone was buzzing and it was just yeah it was an amazing feeling wow
0: no i can't imagine because for me from from an outsider looking in the grand national is the pinnacle of horse racing and i think it always will be considered that so you for as far as my interpretation of horse racing goes you were you were the best jockey in the world for that one year until somebody else took the crown off you so yeah it must be (laughs) that sort of feeling
1: well maybe they're the best yeah I
0: don't as long know. as
1: we ignore champion jockey and things like that but yeah. you're, you're fine <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure about that but yeah i'll, I'll take it I'll take i'd it. have
0: it you can you can have over an 80 minutes podcast yeah. unofficial greatest I jockey.
1: i'll tell you what i was more upset about was i was you know in terms of scottish sport I, you know that kind of you know that that is as far as as far as racing is concerned i can't win a bigger race yeah know, like that was that is the pinnacle i, I agree with you there um But then Andy Murray went and went, won Wimbledon the same year. <laughs> <laughs> Completely, everyone must have forgot about me. They were like, "Oh, Andy Murray's won Wimbledon. Never mind you. You're just a little Scottish jockey." So
0: <laughs> I think you're selling yourself. You're selling yourself really short there. I was everybody. Everybody was very impressed, and the Borders was very proud of you. Murray's from Edinburgh. We don't associate with a big city. Well, uh, well,
1: well. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. I'll, I'll, that I'll, that makes me
0: feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Consensus sarcasm, but I'll take it. Consensus <laughs> sarcasm, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, you said it took you an hour to get back to the jockey's room. What was that like when you got back in? Because, obviously, I'm so interested now that you said the level of respect and everything changed in the jockey's room. Was it, like, champagne spraying for everybody? Was everybody buzzing for you? Or was it just oh, a quick shake of the hand? or?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, a shake of the hand, a hug, you know, just just, mm-hmm. just real. And it was, amazingly, after every, you know, every time someone rides a winner, yeah, uh, everyone will say well done in the weighing room. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just a thing, everybody congratulates the winner. Um, but some lads don't always mean it, you know, like
0: you,
1: oh, you, right. you know, you, you say it, but you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well done, but you know, and it's maybe it's just because you you say it all the time, it, you know, but with a race like that, people really, really mean it, you know, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. they come up and they really say, look, like, well done, amazing, blah blah blah. So yeah, there was just there was plenty of that. Um and as I say, I just took a minute, had a shower and just tried to tried to just, you know, come come down off the high somehow, you know, just to <laughs> just to try and take it all in as much as I could. Um, which which wasn't easy. Um but it yeah, it was it was madness. Um but it just yeah, I don't think it took me a long time to, to come well actually it took me to the next again day to to relax, but that's because I ended up in hospital. But it was, um, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it, it's very, very hard to, to actually come down from something like that. Um, and it's very nice. It's the, the, the 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 nicest part was um, AP McCoy. Actually, it was him coming up to say, "Well done." Now he's you know, he never done that before, and and that's, I suppose that's what makes makes you realise that you know it's that kind of race like that's yeah when i say
0: that the guys come up to you to say well done and they mean
1: it they really do mean it
0: so well i can i can only imagine that sounds like it would have been one of the most surreal experiences from even even i say from the jock the jock the weighing room before i don't think i would have ever i don't think i could have even comprehend being in that situation so credit to you and massive congratulations as i've told you many times about winning the race so well, <laughs> well done <laughs> hopefully, 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 the horse goes and floods as well at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, he's the one that deserves all the. He he deserves all the well done he does. Um,
0: exactly. But he's living a life of luxury now in Yorkshire, isn't it? So.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> enjoying his retirement.
0: There we go. How good was that? Um, an event that took place almost ten years ago, and Ryan still remembers it like it was yesterday. How it feels to hear about one of the greatest events in somebody's sport, and he can still tell it off the bat like that. Next up, we've got one of the episodes. I had no idea how it was going to go or what to expect. And it turned out to be one of my favorite episodes of all time. Spoke to this man for hours on end. There was so much we had to leave off the podcast because it would have ran on for days. Next up, we talked to Roddy Taylor and in this clip, he tells us all about why he left professional motorcycling all the way back in 1982 and that fateful year and everything that happened, the real eye opener into the stories that go on behind athletes. And the whole reason why I started this podcast. Let's roll that clip now and have a listen. Amazing. So I want to touch on 1982, as you said before I stopped you the first time. And like you said, it was, I don't want to tell the story because they're your words and I want you to share them. So if you wouldn't mind picking off in 1982
2: or how you used yeah, b- big Yeah, big part of my life and mm-hmm. um, very very difficult part of it as i said and, and this it, it it affected everything that i did all the way through even to, to today how, how things i look at life and things that you've got to do and bits and pieces i said 1982 um, yeah my brother's got a tz 750 a tz 500 um. Had gone to Donington, beat some of the the guy Bob Smith that was the current British champion, Steve Parrish, that was um, Sheen's teammate, uh, Keith Ewan world front runner, as I said, uh, Wayne Gardner, a lot of the Americans that came over, yeah, as he said, and he's running at the front end of that. So Sheen is in the latter stages of his career and as I said, Douglas is this starting to make a name for himself on the British Championship scene and some of the internationals and winning some very, very big races. Mm-hmm. Um, um, sponsored by Alan Duffus at the time, uh, we both were, um, and I would go and do the support races either on a TZ125 Yamaha or 250. And mm-hmm. back in the day, no electronics with scanning and signing mm-hmm. on or anything, but you had to be 18 years old to be able to race at international level. And mm-hmm. Again, a bit of a dodge went on here. Um, where Douglas would go and sign on, and then 10 minutes later, I would go back in and sign on with his race licence. Now, I had a race licence of my own, but I, I wasn't 18. Mm-hmm. and Technically, I wasn't really eligible to race, but I would go and do the international races with him and just sign on as him. And But they had my name down in the programme as me, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: somehow or another, as I said, they, they never actually put the two together. So I did several races before I was 18 when I probably shouldn't have done, but good experience, good experience. You can't get away with that now, but I think, as I said, I was I was finishing within the top 10. I, I, I was there or thereabouts. So, um, I wasn't holding people up or making rookie silly mistakes that where I would stand out in the crowd. Uh, but, just that, that year, th- things were starting to evolve. Some of the bigger teams were starting to look at what Douglas was doing. and uh, Alan Duffis had took on the ownership and started to run Knock Hill and decided to do a, a reverse direction race at Knock Hill. Um, changed the circuit and whatever happened on that day, we still really don't know. Um, Stuart Burkhart was uh, the other guy's name. His, his bike would not start. It pushed it down pit lane, pushed it out onto the circuit, and there's a blend line, they call it, which you should never cross, which mm. basically keeps you safe, keeps you over at the the right hand side of the circuit, but he crossed it and he shoved the bike straight over the wrong side of a blind hill and unfortunately, Douglas was coming up the the, the the hill from the other side flat on the tank 150, 160 mile an hour and collected Stuart Burkhart slap in the middle of the circuit. Wow. Um, the, the, the absolute carnage it, it was it, it literally looked like a bomb had gone off uh, with mm-hmm. just bits of bike and uh, all over the place. Uh, um, And it was and Stuart died at the scene in, instantly, just w- w- with with his injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Douglas, yeah, after what seemed like an eternity at the circuit, a catalogue of disasters at the circuit where the, the ambulance wasn't taxed, mot insured that didn't want to drive out onto the road to take him down to the hospital. The oxygen cylinders in the ambulance didn't work. We had friends running around the paddock trying to Uh, open up the oxygen in the ambulance with welding spanners and Mm -hmm. it it, it was just unbelievable. Uh, The paramedics couldn't get his helmet off, Um, he was choking, I I ended up having to take his helmet off him uh, at the scene. Uh, My my, my dad's there wandering around the pits not really knowing what's going on and Mm -hmm. obviously completely Knew, knew that something horrendous was going on but not quite aware of it all um, and Douglas ended up in the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary um, after about a, a, a week with serious head injuries, started to make a bit of progress, they started to take him out of the induced coma that he was in mm-hmm. um, and but something went wrong we, we really don't know what but, but he he took a, 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 a i turned for the worse i never really recovered from that um so over the next two years just gradually deteriorated mm-hmm. and this is what I, I was saying earlier about the mindset and having the ability to, to switch off from things now mm-hmm. it says on a ticket and when you sign on and you get a pass at the gate and before you go out onto the circuit there's bloody great big signs everywhere that says motorcycle racing is dangerous Mm -hmm. i know it's dangerous uh we had traveled many as a thousand miles together in vans we had seen various other accidents i think in the late 70s early 80s the attrition rate of riders was quite high Mm -hmm. and um you just think why do people go out and do that we do it's just just what we do um and w- there was there was lots of discussions on 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 what if something happens and etc etc and what what would you do if your heart or what would you do if your heart etc so mm-hmm. uh, we had both said listen just just do what you think is right what you want to do if you want to carry on you carry on and uh, so uh that I, I made a decision um I didn't race the next weekend, which was at Ingolston and Edinburgh, which Mm is a a round of the Scottish Championship, and I I didn't go and race there, but two weekends after that was um, East Fortune, and I decided that I was going to go back and race. Mm -hmm. So I I did, and uh, won the 125 race, and um, I thought, yeah, that was the right thing to do, but been able to switch everything off because it it was very very difficult all very raw at that period of time so managed to make it to the end of the season now i had touched on i was good friends with steve heslop but Mm -hmm. probably better friends with his younger brother who was gary and gary and i had teamed up and we went and raced in ireland together and did a few other big races together now, I went off to Donington at the end of the year in October to do a round of what was the Marlborough Clubman's Series, which was the biggest club series in the UK, and mm. um, fell off, landed on my shoulder, dislocated my shoulder, broke my wrist and whatever. But as I said, yeah, got away with it. Gar- Gary decided that he had been leading the Selleth Club Championship, went to Sillith, he fell off, landed on his head. Unfortunately, the bike spun round and hit him, and he was killed outright at the scene. and uh, Jock Taylor who was world sidecar champion in 1982 as well as I think second cousin or there's a relationship in there somewhere along the line (laughs) and um, he had gone to Amatra in in Finland and uh, was was killed at Finland so 1982 was not a good year for sure within the bike race world so uh, 1983 I decided to carry on and i had thought so uh, alan duffus i think was very very upset by the whole thing blamed himself for it for providing the bikes providing the circuit and mm-hmm. um, i look back on it it, it it was nothing more than a bizarre chain of events that he could have stepped off the road and be hit by a bus mm-hmm. and for whatever happened, Stuart Burkett, the bike not starting, why he pushed the thing to the wrong side of the line, what the marshal was doing to let him out, uh, why they changed the circuit direction. As I said, too many ifs and buts. It's just one of these things that happened. And Woody you have said, is it, is it because we were motor racing? No, I, I can rationalise it and go, Do you know what? You could have been hit by a brick dropping off a building. It was, bizarre. it was so bizarre as that. It wasn't anything to do with the fact that we were motor racing. It was just a bizarre chain of events and, and that's what happened. So, 1983, um, started to look at what it was I was going to do. I still had the 125 Yamaha. Um, along came Davy Christie, who had said, I've got a spare bike, and he gave me a 350 Yamaha. So, In 1983, whilst I can only describe as watching my brother slowly die, I won the 125 and 350 Scottish Championships
0: simultaneously,
2: yes, in the same year, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was all sorts of things going on, And, and I remember one of the races, it might have been in 84 by this time, but I was certainly vying with Howard Selby for the Scottish 350 championship. Mm-hmm. And we were tied on points going into the, the, the second last round. And he, he went on to be European champion and, and, and all sorts. of Howard, fantastic career that he had. But I'm racing it against him in the 1980s. And um, I was sitting on the bike at his fortune on the, on the dummy grid already ready to go out to sort of do battle for the, the Scottish Championship. And this this unknown girl comes up to me and says, oh, well, good luck, Ruddy. I uh, hope you do well. It's an awful shame about your brother, isn't it? And yeah. I'm sitting there on the, on the grid just before I went out. And the guy that was mechanicing for me at, at the time, um Hamish, I, I just handed him the bike and kind of just wandered off and um, had a... Had a uh, I don't know. I, just, like, I had a serious word with myself in my helmet, and I just, just, as he said, sometimes, as he said, take a breath, get a grip, and as I said, put the monkey back in its box. The chimp,
0: the chimp back in its box, yeah. And
2: it was, yeah, because it, it was out screaming for sure. Yeah. It, it, it was out. And, um, I didn't win the race, but I'd finished second to it. But I didn't really lose out on any points, didn't make any mistakes or whatever. But that that, that was a real tough moment where you mm-hmm. think, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And went to the last round in at Knock Hill and we were exactly tied on points. And it didn't matter if I was going to finish... Um, If I had crashed and didn't finish, I was still going to finish second in the championship. If I beat Howard, I was going to win the championship. Or if he beat me, he would win the championship. Or if he crashed, it didn't matter. He was still going to finish second. There was nobody within the points close enough to do us any real harm. So it was just down to him and I. Mm -hmm. And um, as I said, everything that was all going on, uh, the guy that sponsored Howard was Jim Bald, and... um, Dave, Dave Christie, the fellow that sponsored me, and it was a big, big group of people, and there was some of this all, only came to light after the event, but mm-hmm. anyway, I started the race, Howard got away a long way in front of me, <clears throat> I got held up on the first lap, um, I think it was about a 15-lap race or something like that, and um, the first five laps didn't make any inroads into him at all, there was maybe about a, like, a five-second gap between where he was and where I was, and we both run around about the same kind of speed, nothing changed, and I can remember thinking of myself on the bike. And I thought, well, if I crash, I'm still going to finish second. But if I don't crash, I've got to beat him. Mm -hmm. And I've got to take the win. There is no ifs or buts about it. And it was a bit of a, yeah, I I used Douglas as a motivational tool for, for then because I had thought, what would he have done? And i thought well they wouldn't be funny around about here and they would have just a 100 mile an hour and saw the consequences so that's what i did so i think it took me about three laps to catch them catch them past them and howard said afterwards he says never ever a million years are going to catch you he says you passed me he says somewhere where i never expected you to overtake me and he says i wasn't going to live with you so the fellow that sponsored howard had <clears throat> bought a whole load of champagne and all sorts to celebrate um howard's success and 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 fair play to him he was crying and he handed me over so there you go he said you deserve that and unbeknown to me davy christie had put a a a sizable amount of money on the fact where he was standing at the side of the circuit after about lap four and somebody had said oh that's it it's howard and davy's gone no he says i bet it isn't and the fella said i bet it is and they had exchanged a large sum of money and uh, yeah. Do, do, you have, do, do
0: you have a figure
2: or uh, it 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 was it was into thousands. Wow. And back in the day then that was a lot of money. And 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 Davy at the end of the day gave me five hundred quid. He says, There you go. He says that that's your win bonus for it. So <laughs> if you go back to the early nineteen eighties, I suppose that's like giving somebody ten grand now. Wow. Where he had just done a deal with somebody at the side of the circuit. And it transpires that the elderly gentleman that he did that with was Johnny Ray's grandfather. Now Jonathan Ray, who is now five times World Superbike champion, I
0: recognise the name. Yeah,
2: it was Jonathan Ray's grandfather that had to pay out to Davy Christie. Wow. So I thought, but yeah, that that, that couple of seasons was, was 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 real tough. And then yeah, I think my brother eventually died two years after the accident, and um, my, my family didn't want anything to do with racing, and yeah. the support that was there then wasn't, and I was almost going against everything. With, they, they didn't say don't do it, but they certainly didn't make things easy for me to race, so, so I, I did it on my own. Mm-hmm. and. But I, I was very, very fortunate because I had some very good friends round about me who I'm still very, very good friends with to this day. Uh, Ian Wilson, uh, went to school with him. His son is now World Downhill Mountain Bike Championship. Um, Reese Wilson. I know, so, the, I
0: know the name. I'm trying to think if he's the one from around
2: here. Yeah, he's, he's he is. Up there's lots of training and stuff up around in a and and mm-hmm. whatever so he's originally from west from gordon as mm-hmm. i said went to school with um ian and as i said yeah uh, again there's a big long story about things that we could never ever write or mention that we, that we did when we were younger i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna have to get you all together for a reunion on one of these and i just won't hit record and then we'll just oh chat. yeah i know just, i'll yeah. just sit here and listen
2: yeah, there'll be a, be a few stories come out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. J- Jimmy Shanks, who's still racing to this day. Now, Jimmy's in his 60s and still going quite well. Um, but set himself up in business at Blink Bonnie Quarry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy helps quite a few of the young racers and things now coming through. Just, just a little bit of sponsorship on the quiet here and there. Um, Helped Steve Kershaw with the sidecar. Right. Uh, Steve Kershaw is now competing for World Championship status, multiple British champion winner. and uh, they said Jimmy's helped him and uh, they said but we were all friends when we were younger Mm -hmm. and we're we're still very good friends to to this day and I suppose sometimes we don't see one another or or the group of us for several months at a time but if we go back at Christmas or the middle of the summer or whatever it is he said we we meet up and and it doesn't take very long to just carry on where we were left off so the Mm -hmm. witty banter uh, good, light-hearted, piss-taking and everything else. It, it doesn't take long to all spring back into life. Where, um, Well, as we call him, Ian, Ian and things, came to his fortune. I did a race there, I think, 2017, just coming back on a CB500. And they said he came there to help me. And it just was so easy because I didn't have to tell him what to do. He just naturally did it. He kind of knew what I was after and all the rest of it. So... It was, um no, I, I'm, I was very, very lucky with the group of people that I had round about me at, at that time, because it really was a very, very difficult time.
0: Mm-hmm. No, quite rightly. Really. And then, I mean, the way you speak about uh, the way you speak about your brother and the way you've spoken about him for the past hour is more than a testament to the man he was. So I'm only jealous I didn't get to meet him, and then I could add both of you in the chat, but you've spoken highly enough of him they have it, how much an effect something can have on one person. Roddy Taylor is a very strong man to go through all that. And he's mentally tough almost as much as he is brave, just to throw himself in the corners as he is on a motorcycle. Right, let's cheer up with something a bit more happy now, a bit more of a lighthearted story. Next, we go back to our episode with the Women Who Sport podcast, Rona Lloyd and Sarah Bonner, two wonderfully funny people, brilliant to talk to, incredible at what they do. And in this little segment, they tell us about when they were having their own show, their own podcast. And they actually were talking to Simi Pam, a fantastic rugby player in her own right. And a few things got mixed up and got crossed and it led to one of the funniest stories they've had on their podcast. So let's go in and have a listen to how that played out. Sarah and Rhoda, they've graciously agreed to call my podcast. They're actually two fairly talented podcasters themselves. I really like listening to their podcast. I've been telling them that for a while. A really good one is the episode of Simi Pam. I genuinely almost spat coffee over my screen at my office when she was talking about discrimination and being silenced and Rona accidentally <laughs> slams the mute button on her and it was the best, like, 20 seconds of the 2021 for me. Rona, what was that? Like? what was that like when you said... Was that one of the moments where you're just like, I want the world to swallow me whole right now? <laughs>
3: So I think she literally said, as a black woman, I feel like my voice is often silenced. And then I press the mute button. Like, I d- <laughs> yeah, tried to mute myself to take a drink. I accidentally muted her. Then, like, didn't really realise. And then maybe, like, ten seconds later, unmuted her. And she just continued. And then I had to be like... And because you have to request somebody to unmute. So I had to be like, <laughs> please, Simi, unmute yourself. Then basically, once she finished speaking, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then, anyway, wait, like thank god she was like so so sound about it and like i think she thought it was quite funny in the end and yeah she was like obviously such a like ridiculously like cool talented person um and i yeah i muted her on our podcast <laughs> Really,
0: the best the best bit about that is i want to know Bones, what were you because th- what were you thinking just as like a witness because you must have just been going oh somebody's making some great points it's gonna be really good. And just like oh no my headphones are i can't hear anything on.
3: No, I saw that she muted it and it didn't look like her arms had moved. And I was like, what's going on? And then I'm pretty sure her message had being like bollocks just muted her. And I was like, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> Imagine a few moments where we will do silly things like that and look at each other, and then we have to maintain composure and not laugh. And we're both dying inside and could just see it. It's like a look, no. <laughs> yeah, we were like having this like pretty deep chat about like like discrimination and it, it was so good yeah and then I well I absolutely ruined it <laughs> the episode is, is still up there if anyone wants to go and experience it for themselves but to be fair I think it was still like still one of my favorites despite yeah
0: it was that, it God. was such a beautiful bit of comedic timing and I was like if if she's done that on purpose she's really <laughs> testing the waters of the joke but it's a brilliant joke if she's done it it's like a proper like Ricky Gervais level of this is funny in the right context, but we're really going to put it out there and see how people respond. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> I, I, I was at work, and obviously, so when I work, I just keep my phone in my pocket and just have the podcast going. And then I was like, it's gone really quiet. And I was like, oh, the podcast must have finished. And it was like, no, you still got 12 <laughs> minutes to go. And I
3: was like, oh. Well, Honestly, send me if you're listening, we're sorry.
0: Simi, it was, don't worry, it was a very good, and your point came across very well. Like, <laughs> it, was a, it was a brilliant metaphor. You've just got to be like, you're on that higher English level of, like, the curtains were blue because you sad, not because the curtains were blue level. That's what you've just got to tell people. You were really getting the point across. Yeah. And there we are. That's how Lloyd and Sarah ended up muting Simi Pam all the way through in our talk, just about being silenced. Oh, that was, I remember spitting coffee listening to that when I heard their podcast. So let's end it off with one of the podcast GOATs, the OGs. The GOAT is, if you're listening to his podcast, you'll probably know it, Andy Rowe, one of the hosts of the Rugby Pod, Spotify exclusive deal, incredible stuff. In this segment, Andy Rowe talks about how when him and Andy Goode and Jim Hamilton, when they all go to their live shows and how everything plays out there and the chaos that ensues. And God, it just sounds like an absolute riot. I hopefully get myself to one and I'll see him there, but Andy, thank you for coming on. Brilliant. And let's roll this clip. I quickly, quickly before we go, because we're getting, I've only just realized I've looked at the timer and I'm taking up a lot of your time. But you like you said, not many other podcasts, not many other podcasts have live shows and literally that they sell out and they're almost like a party with three guys with microphones at the middle. So what's it like doing a rugby pod live show? And is there is there any standout memories that you can remember?
4: Hey. I, I they're my favorite part. It's my favorite mm-hmm. thing to do as a live show. Um, you know, we've only done one since the pandemic as well. Yeah. And we did one recently. Oh, it was so good. Like, it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't like the old ones. Like, it was, back, it was before the rules opened up, but yeah. it was still bit sort of socially distanced. But it was so, still, like, I just loved it. The live shows, uh, you, know, what, you know, what we live for. That's that's when you, if you're thinking about when you've made it, that's that's as close as you'll get uh to feeling like you made it like that's because we get to feeling like we've made it because everyone there's a fan of the podcast everyone there knows you um everyone kind of feel like they they can give you shit and they know (laughs) what to give you shit about um because they they've listened to the show and but the atmosphere is always perfect so everyone's always had a couple of beers a few beers a handful of beers at least um, so they're always rowdy, they're always ready to get stuck in. They were the, the crowds are it's just nothing beats them. The rugby rugby pod crowds are so good, they're so much mm-hmm. fun, and and I I get the best seat in the house. I'm like literally I I, I have a couple of questions that I'll that are, you know to, to get the guys going and, and knowing that they will talk and talk and talk and talk. So there's no pressure on me whatsoever, so I can go in, I'll have a beer and 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 basically get get things going and then um then i'll hand it over to the crowd and and yeah. and ask, be asking the crowd most of the time if they've got any questions and that's my job done and i love it and the crowds are always great we usually have a single song at some point everyone's steamed everyone's just getting stuck in people chopping pints it's so much fun it's like it's my highlight of when i'm on the rugby pod by far
0: i'm i'm so my guy, favorite, cause remember... favorite part. Yeah. I'm so glad when you were in Edinburgh, I remember, and I tried my hardest to get tickets for me, my brother, and my old man, because we all listened to the pod, and we were and we couldn't get tickets for love nor money, and I was so gutted, because one of my friends didn't. I think he must have, he must have spent at least half his time on his phone Instagram, it, and it looked like the best time I've ever seen. Because there was a video of him and Jim having like a chop off race with the pints. Really? Yeah, and
4: he, oh, he next still comes cleanses... up. Yeah next time we go up there give me a shout and i'll i'll, I'll sort you out with i'll put your name on the don't. door
0: mate don't i'd i'd give it such big looks if my name was on the door <laughs> <I'd be walking laughs> up, yeah uh, mates mates with andy rose so just oh we're not going that far just na- names on the door.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta don't don't know mate. next time we're for... in edinburgh we'll, 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 we'll get you along to the live show where, where no where's worries. the best crowd
0: ever been which has been the best show Oh,
4: not the best show, but who's been the best? Edinburgh. Current? Edinburgh was definitely – Edinburgh um, – oh, there was – Edinburgh was – oh, hang on. No, Wales is awesome as well. Cardiff was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a, been a few. So I'd say Edinburgh – Edinburgh, we did back-to-back shows, and I took my bagpipes yeah. and played the bagpipes there. Um, that was – and then John Barclay came in. Um, this was when he was the Scottish captain. He comes in on Thursday, chops and pints. Mm-hmm. I play the bagpipes, pipe them in, chops and pints goes and beats England at the Calcutta Cup on Saturday. That was amazing. Cardiff was pretty cool. Cardiff we had um uh, Andy Powell just keep just told story after story. And it's like Jesus yeah. Christ Powelly like he just has some outrageous outrageous <laughs> chat. It was awesome. And then uh Flatiron Square in, in London is yeah. always a good crowd as well. Because they, you can fit a lot of people in there, and um, that's always a great time as well.
0: I mean, how does it not feel a bit weird? Like you were saying at the very start, all these people know you, and obviously you know none of them. So these people start rinsing you for things that you know you've said, you've said on a podcast, so you know it's out there. But does it not feel weird when you've got random Tom, Dick, and Harry being like, "Oh, Andy Rowe, I'm looking forward to your stag doing Ibiza and things like that." Yeah. Mate, there's not, a, I don't know you at all. Yeah, I
4: mean, it's it's not weird it's like because you know exactly what they're talking yeah. about and you know exactly it did it originally it took a little bit of getting used to it, it didn't it was kind it was strange that um people will behave like they know you like that because yeah. they listen to you and they've got the you only ears and um, they'll talk to you about the show and um it's not it, it, it's i mean i love it it's it's great it's like it, it's it's super humbling that they're listening to your show. It's super humbling that they know who you are and that they are interested in like what the content that you're putting out, because that you're not just talking to no one. That's, that's really cool. And um, to, but it's, yeah, equally it's like, you know, you're just like normal person having a chat (laughs) and people are really interested to have a chat yeah it's cool like it's um and th- that's all it is it's like they they know you almost like goody and jim know know me like they you know that they, they hear the same stuff like um so i hear the same stuff that i hear from goody and jim that, that you hear when you listen to the yeah. robot so it's kind of similar it's almost like of course we chat off here and things like that but there's a lot of similar stuff that we have in common. Um, it's like you, the idea is that, and this was always the concept with the with the rugby pub, the idea was that I'm in a pub with Andy and Gertie having a beer with them, and I'm a fan, and I'm wanting to hear their stories. I'm wanting to hear their opinion on the rugby, and I'm having a beer with them, and that's the concept. So if people feel like they are, they have had a beer with Gertie and Jim and hopefully me a little bit, <laughs> then, then that is absolutely job done. And that's that, that, that there's no higher praise. Like that's what, that's what we're looking for.
0: Yeah. Is, has anybody, has anybody ever said something that you've forgotten you'd said on the podcast, like somebody has been like, duh, 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 and you've just gone, how the hell do they know about, oh shit. Yeah. I remember saying that now.
4: Eh? Um,
1: a little bit
4: like you know someone brought something up that said i'd like smashed Goody in a tackle or something like that but mm-hmm. like, nothing nothing like incriminating if like, it wasn't there's nothing that caught me too off guard but um it's more like it, it is a little bit you do, yeah it's it is a little bit strange sometimes when they when they do bring stuff up it's not like that it's stumps mm-hmm. shit but you're just like oh yeah i've about that that's what oh, i'm talking <laughs> about that
0: amazing well andy i'm at the end but it's of cool my, yeah it's a it's a great so, thing and it's it's a real like i said it sets the bar for people like myself on how to raise a, how to perform a podcast how to record a podcast and then the andy Rule show just goes to show that you can never do enough research with 24 straight hours on books on iraq war and pilots no, see, so you
4: can do too much research in that case <laughs>
0: you just have to ask his publicist if he actually wants to talk about the thing first and then you're good to go yeah exactly exactly and there you have it montage episode two ended just like that incredible thank you once again to all my guests that come on and i hope that we get your story shared out like i said guys this is a great chance for people who don't normally hear a guest that they think they're going to necessarily bond with or make that connection with There's a great chance for you to get a little segment see what it's like go and enjoy the whole podcast as usual, if you want to see any of the clips, the vast majority of the episodes, and hopefully by the time this is actually out, all of them will be fully up, all thumbnail, detailed, titled, and on the YouTube channel. So you can go and watch those snippets here and there. Just dive in and out as you please to each episode. So thank you very much for watching. Like, subscribe, leave a, leave a rating, make sure everybody knows about it. And then we're going to get season two and we'll see you again next week. There is another montage next week. So stay tuned for that. <laughs>